The Leafs make their way to the desert as Austin Matthews looks to reach a milestone at home. Plus, Gary Bevin makes his final ruling on Riley's suspension and some more trade buzz involving some Toronto targets. This is the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked on Leafs podcast, your daily fix for all things Leafs. I'm your host, David Morissuti from Sportsnet. As always, Locked on Leafs podcast is a daily Maple Leafs centric podcast, so make sure you subscribe for free wherever you get your podcast from. And you can now reach us on YouTube each and every day, Locked on Leafs, so make sure you go and subscribe there. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. With any winning $5 bet, that's $150. If your bet wins, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. As you can see, solo again for today, Mike DeCefano still dealing with what he is calling the family day flu. It's kind of taken a big bite out of him the last couple of days. So I told Mike, get your rest because we're in for some tough, tough games coming up for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Obviously, they got the Arizona Coyotes tonight in the desert. And then they got the Vegas Golden Knights on the second half of a back-to-back. And then they end the week against the Colorado Avalanche. So these next two games, though, for the Leafs are at night, late-night games, late-night starts. So for a lot of you, it's going to be either getting some rest in before the games. Some of you, it might just be having to bite the bullet and fall, watch the highlights the next day because there are going to be some late starts for the Leafs. Uh, I don't think we'll have many more late starts from now until the end of the year after these two games are complete. So be ready for those. And obviously, we now know one thing about this game against the Arizona Coyotes. It's that Morgan Rowley will not be in the lineup for this game after Gary Bettman pretty much confirmed, uphold the suspension, the five-game suspension that the Department of Player Safety gave Morgan Rowley. He made that ruling. We did say that we did think that this was going to come before the game against the Coyotes. We thought maybe it would have come a little bit earlier, but he finally made the ruling on Monday after on Tuesday. Sorry, Tuesday afternoon. Get okay, my days mixed up here. So the ruling on Gary Bettman is final. So pairs and, and before people wonder if Riley can appeal this again, um, Gary Bettman gets the final say on any suspensions five games and below. Players only have the right to appeal to an independent arbitrator on suspension on suspensions of six games or more. And since Riley's suspension was for five games, Gary Bettman is the final ruler on those appeals. As we know, I think David Perron's six game suspension is still being heard from arbitrators, an independent arbitrator. So that still hasn't even been finally ruled on. So just to give you an idea, this is now complete. Everyone. Hopefully can move on. I'm sure we'll uh, hear from Riley as soon as he is available to speak to the media and give his thoughts on the whole situation. But in terms of the appeal process and all those things, we are done with it. Riley is going to have to serve all five games of the suspension and obviously hasn't really hurt the Leafs too much in terms of their play because they have gone 4-0 and 
in the stretch. Uh, but a couple of things to note here in the Riley appeal that I think is pretty important. A couple of important things, I think, with that. Um, just to get an idea of why Bettman ruled the way he did and maybe just in, in a way kind of discuss the league's feelings on the whole situation, plus where the Leafs and the NHLPA were trying to fight on Riley's behalf. So the first one here is that, I mean, and again, where, where I think a lot of people maybe not have thought about was the NHL clearly was going to consider this a longer suspension. And this is exactly what Gary Bretman wrote in his appeal. Mr. Riley's suspension almost certainly would have been considerably longer if he did not have a clean record or if there had been an injury. So going into this, obviously one of the arguments that a lot of us had made about Riley not getting a hefty suspension is that he had a clean record. The Leafs made that point very clear, and so did the NHLPA. That's the NHLPA's job. They're going to give Riley the benefit of the doubt, and hopefully the league does because of Riley's clean record. But the fact that Riley had a clean record and that the league took that into account and only gave him five games, I'm really curious what the suspension would have been if Riley did not have a clean record. Is that an extra couple of games? Is that getting closer to the 10-game mark? And obviously the injury part was crucial here too, but th this is where I'm like really wondering like how much more could the league have really given Morgan Raleigh? We thought five was pretty hefty, but we couldn't understand why five was made the way it was. So I thought that was a, a pretty interesting comment uh, from all this. And obviously the big one here too was the whole play in general. Uh, Bettman said that the testimony offered by Riley, Brad Chilling, and President Brendan Shanahan were pretty much talking about how Ridley Gregg's slapshot was provoc provocative and basically a catalyst to the follow-up play. And Barry Gary Bettman pretty much said, in quotes, utterly irrelevant. So he's pretty much saying it didn't matter what Ridley Gregg did, what Riley did was wrong. I can understand that. We knew that Morgan Riley went a little over the top with his reaction. Now, we said the reaction was justified because Ridley Gregg did something that you do not see a player norm. I again, we know no player I've ever seen take a slap shot that close to the net. He said the emotions of the game made him do something like that. We heard a lot of the sense players say they found the whole situation funny because obviously there was a bit of an extra dig. I believe so. We always said that the reaction from Riley was justified. It's just that he went a little too far. So I, I can understand Gary Bettman's point in saying what Greg did. Like, you know, they always say two wrongs don't make a right. And I think that's kind of where the NHL is lying with this is that, you know what? Even if Ridley Greg maybe, you know, gave him a wink or something, right? After doing it, I think to kind of. Add a lecture dig. I don't think that would. I think the NHL is pretty much saying you got to control your emotions in that situation, which easier said than done, right? And the NHLPA also tried to argue that Riley did not intend to hit Greg in the head and that the stick kind of rode up. But all the NHL saw at the end of the day was Greg get hit in the head. He went down and it, 
it was a situation that has garnered obviously a lot of attention, a lot of talk. That's why I didn't see the league, fa- you know, ruling in favor of Riley to get the suspension ruled down. So, um, it's all been played out. We got both sides got a chance to get to say their piece on it. Hopefully, we can now move forward. Uh, as the Leafs try to go perfect five and zero with Morgan Riley out of the lineup, their next game comes against an opponent that has struggled a little bit lately here in the Arizona Coyotes. So I'm going to go through what we can expect from this game, what we can expect from the Leafs heading into this game, including Austin Matthews, who is one goal away from 50. And we're going to kind of look into the context of the 50 goals that on the track that Austin Matthew is on here on the Locked On These podcast. We'll do that on the other side here. But you are listening to Locked On These podcasts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 Sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash locked on. Just go to indeed.com slash locked on right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash locked on. Current terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed. Today's show is also brought to our friends over at FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now, new customers. Get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 bet that wins. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusion, exclusive props, and more. Plus, obviously, you can do the same with NHL with the Leafs going on a nice little road trip here. You can try to add some extra bucks to your bank account. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sports partner of the NBA and the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Locked On Lease Podcast. David Morisuti here. Obviously, Mike DeStefano is still not here with us. He's dealing with a little bit of a flu. Hopefully, we'll get him back soon into the lineup. And obviously, the Leafs have been dealing with some missing members of their lineup. Obviously, Morgan Rowley dealing with the last game of his suspension. We have William Laganson who missed the last game with an injury and guys who have been in and out. So now the Leafs are going to have to try to go 5-0 and with a a shorthanded roster. We'll put it at point. One player we haven't obviously talked about in a little while is Cali Yonkro. He still doesn't look like he is close to returning, but maybe we'll start seeing some news about him as we get closer to um, you know end of the week. Maybe next week we'll get a little more of an update. Obviously he's been out for a while with a broken knuckle on his hand. Um, and obviously the least we'll have to make some ju- line juggling when it comes time to bring Callie Yarncroke back. 
but the Leafs are trying to keep a five uh, their four game win streak. Try to get that to five games, and now they're going to go and play the Arizona Coyotes, who have been, let's just say, not great. Uh, they have lost ten straight games. They're zero nine and one. Their last loss coming six three against the Edmonton Oilers on Monday. And now we see Austin Matthews come to town. Obviously, Matthew and I as well, two Arizona natives, likely going to have a lot of people in the building to watch them play. And probably some Leaf fans too. I know a buddy of mine is going to that game. And funny enough, at the 5,000-seat Mullet Arena. Now, you're going to have to get used to the sight lines for this game. Remember the last one? It looked a little, little weird to the eyes. My buddy who's going to Arizona said that this is probably one of the more expensive leaf tickets he's bought. I said, look, supply and demand and a lot of uh, supply right now to give out in Arizona with only 5,000 seats at Mullet Arena. But Arizona, at one point, they were one of the more surprising teams. That at one point, they were in a playoff spot, but now they're seventh in the Central Division, 15 and 13 at home. And not great the last little while right um they've also had some injuries with connor ingram their de facto starter goaltender who actually has been pretty decent this year for them he's been out with an injury carl vamelka i would assume he's going to get the start against the leafs they did start a rookie in their last game against edmonton and exactly go the way but funny enough edmonton was struggling a bit in that game against Arizona. So Leafs are going to have to weather a little bit of a storm here against an Arizona team that is going to try whatever they can do to get themselves back into the win column here. And the important thing is right now, everyone's going to see if that becomes the game that Austin Matthews scores 50 goals on the year. To give you some context on this Austin Matthews run that he has been on here, okay? Austin Matthews only needs two more goals to get to 350 for his career, which to some, that's a that's a pretty significant milestone in a lot of ways here, okay? Because since he had, was drafted, okay, when he entered the league in 2016, 2017, he's had the most goals out of all players since then. Leon Dreisaitl is second, okay? Austin Matthews has 348. Leon Dreisaitl has 311. I'm pretty sure Austin Matthews has dealt with an injury or two along the way. And I always say to myself, imagine if Austin Matthews had not gone hurt in some of the seasons he had gone hurt. There was, you know, some concussions. He was dealing with the wrist issue. A lot of, you no, know, he was banged up quite a bit, you know, especially in the early, you know, after his rookie season. Uh, rookie season, he had obviously went all 82 games. Then after that, it was 62 games, 68 games, 70 games, 52 in the shortened, uh, obviously the shortened season there. But even he still missed time in the lockout shortened year. 73 games, 74 games. He has played in 53 games this year. I think he's only missed one game uh, this year with an, I think it was with an illness. He has 49 goals in 53 games. Okay. When he scored, um, in, when he had scored in 2021-22, uh, 21-22, when he had 60 goals, okay, uh, he got to 50 goals in 62 games. He has a chance to score 
50 and 54. Okay. That would be eight games fewer to get to 50. Just to show just how insane this run has been for Austin Matthews. He could get to 50 goals before some other players could get to 40. Okay. I think the closest right now is uh, Sam Reinhardt who has been stuck. I'm just going to double check here. Uh, yeah. Sam Reinhardt still stuck at 49, uh, 39 goals. Nikita Kutrup has 36, Pasternak 35, and McKinnon 33. So Austin Matthews can realistically get to 50 before any other player gets to 40. Knock on wood, we're going to see 50 in Arizona. I think if you're going to, if we're going to see it, that's where it it'd be it'd be kind of nice to see it happen there. I think for in a lot of ways it'd be nice to see Austin Matthews get there. But enjoy the ride right now, everyone. You don't get to see a player like this very often score the way that Austin Matthews is scoring. And so, you know, the Leafs have been really have been thriving right now over the last 10 games. They're eight and two. Um, and they've played so well on the road, 15, 6, and 6 on the season. This is the sort of stretch that we had been wanting to see earlier from this Leafs team. So yes, while they've been four and zero with Morgan Riley out of the lineup, they've really played well since, and it's no coincidence, coincidence in my opinion, that Elia Samsonov's return to prominence here as a starter has really led to this Leafs team taking that next step. And look, personally, I think when Joseph Wool comes back, it should only elevate this team even more because now you don't have to play Samsonov as much as you've had to kind of play him the last little bit, Martin Jones had an exact even playing as well. He got bounced back against Anaheim, but he had a couple of rough starts before that. So I think this is the Leafs are hitting their stride at the right time here. I think being in a position where, you know, they've had to fight to get themselves back into the top three in the Atlantic division, you know, Tampa Bay is kind of fall. They're still within three games. So, you know, a couple of losses and a couple of wins, can really change things up in the standings. Detroit's still kind of in the mix there. But I think this has really given the Leafs that kick. Obviously, the Morgan Rally situation, I think, emotionally and just opens opened the team's eyes a little bit more than I think really they needed it. So um, really enjoy kind of where everything has kind of gone for the Leafs. Obviously, with Austin Matthews, um, him scoring as much as he has been. But I think important, too, is just how everyone around uh, other guys contributing. We talked about, again, on the last episode, Bobby McMahon, Matthew Nyes, guys like that sort of stepping up in a big way offensively too. And we credited TJ Brody on the last show as the third star of the game. And somebody in the comments actually brought up too and in the Discord too saying that with TJ Brody playing the left side, he seems to be more comfortable. And I, I truly do agree with that. I think with Morgan Riley being out, TJ Brody's been able to kind of excel on that left side there. And I think the other thing that needs to be brought up here, and I, I and this might come across as me defending Morgan Riley a little bit here, and I think it's kind of needed. People saying that Morgan Riley is the reason why him not being in the lineup is why the Leafs are playing better defensively. I think is I think that's just kind of a cop-out, in my opinion. Has more has Morgan Riley been a defensive stalwart in his career. No, but I think he'd been playing pretty well this year. And I think what's the issue here is that the Leafs had not been able to trust anybody else 
So Morgan Rowley, Jake McCabe, even Simone Benoit and TJ Brody have relied upon so much more than they probably should be playing. And I think that's really the issue there. I don't think it's that, yes, Riley has had his struggles, but I also think Riley has played a little bit too much, right? And the, the Leafs need to find a way to get other guys to kind of contribute here. And Morgan Riley is an offensive defenseman. He's not Drew Doughty, okay? He's not even like a Kale McCarr. He is not this elite defensive player. He's good. He, I still think he's a pretty good defenseman. I would not call him elite in terms of his uh, defensive ability, because but that's not really what he is meant to be. Okay, so I think the Leafs need to kind of free up Morgan Riley a little bit more here to not put him in a situation to play too much. Also, for the people that say that Morgan, I literally see people say Morgan Riley should stay up in the press box. If you think that TJ Brody is going to be able to play 21, 20, sometimes even 23 minutes a night, especially over 20 minutes a night at even strength, playing tough defensive minutes at his age and think that it's going to be sustainable. I think you're joking yourself. I think you're doing, you're doing a disservice of making TJ Brody play too much, especially considering how much he has struggled this year. So let's, let's not lose perspective here. This team is better when Riley is in the lineup they just need to realize that they need to spread things out a little bit more than what they had been doing prior to his suspension. And yeah, does Morgan Riley need to play better? Absolutely. I don't think what has happened the last few little bit has absolved Riley in any way. I think Morgan Riley definitely needs to step up his game and maybe with the suspension, him having some time off to rest, get himself back on track. Maybe it'll give him that chance to restart in a little bit of a way here. So we'll see if uh, he can do that when he eventually comes back into the lineup. But the Leafs will have to play one more game without him against the Arizona Coyotes. So we'll see how they do there. On the other side, let's talk a little bit about some trade stuff. We haven't really heard a lot, but they got a little bit of a little bit of a sprinkle of an update involving a couple of uh, defensemen that could be on the Leafs are expected to be on the Leafs radar here. So we'll discuss that here on the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Passion, drive, and patient. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors does everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Oh, welcome back into the Locked On Lease podcast. David Morissuti here, and we are still awaiting for some movement in the NHL. Yes, we've had a couple of trades already so far this year, but there's still some big names on the board that everyone is going to keeping their eyes on. Most notably, the Calgary Flames. I think they're the team that every other one is waiting for to make a move and sort of set the market in a way, right? They have the two big names on the board, Chris Tanev and Noah Hannafin. We know that the Flames were kind of waiting, and if you listen to a lot of what Ollie Friedman said on 32 Thoughts, uh, 
lately, it's that the Flames are waiting for Noah Hanfin to make a decision here. Now, I think it was almost, I wouldn't say a foregone conclusion, but I think it was pretty much mostly in the on the side of the Flames are going to be trading Noah Hanfin. Yes, they had a contract offer on the table. They were thinking about giving him a contract, but pulled it back because I think a couple of reasons here. One, the team is not exactly playing at the most optimal level here. Okay. Um, and they, they've had this core for a pretty long time here. They see they got some young players. They need to improve what's around them. And so they don't want to get caught in a position like they did with Johnny Gaudreau, with Matthew Kachuk, although Matthew Kachuk was an RFA. They had a little more say in what happened there. But I think the Kachuk uh, situation is a little different. But with Gaudreau, they, don't, they didn't want to deal with that again. And really, the Flames are in an advantageous position because they got quality players. Two quality defensemen in Tanev and Hannafin. Hannafin obviously has the higher ceiling, younger player, more a little more pedigree to him in terms of what he can do at both ends. Um, the question here is teams trading for him. You're going to have two different teams here. You're going to have the team that's going to want him as a pure rental and they're going to be capped at what they can pay for a pure rental, especially if they want to make other moves. Then you're going to have the team that, you know what, maybe they're a contender, maybe they're kind of on the bubble, or maybe they're a team that sees that they have a chance to get a little bit better and are going to make a little bit more of a sizable offer with the knowledge that they can sign Noah Hannafin. And I feel like the Leafs are kind of the in-between here when it comes to Noah Hannafin. Because, yes, the Leafs are looking for rentals because they're still in a win-now mode. But I think they're also a team that would like to think a little bit of the future here because, again, we looked at this blue line. Other than Morgan Raleigh, they don't have a lot of top-end defensemen under contract going forward. And I think that's something that you know has weighed a little bit on this management team. And so Ellie Freeman did say on 32 Thoughts, the podcast, that um, when it comes to Tanev, the Flames are waiting on a first round pick to get offered. And funny enough, it hasn't happened yet because I think if a first round pick was on the table, they would have taken it by now. And I don't think teams are wanting to pay a first round pick for a Chris Tanev. Um, and we know that the Leafs do have their first rounder in 2024, but they don't have second rounds until 2027. And Ellie Freeman apparently believes that the Leafs have offered multiple lower round draft picks to get Tanev. It's Toronto that I think is, I'm going to read uh, the quote here, it's Toronto, which I think is offering multiple picks, but none of them a first. And their first, second round draft pick available isn't for four years, so that's a challenge. And that's the thing. Uh, the Flames can say a first round pick, and it takes only one team to make that decision to pay that price. So I think we're... The least stand is that they're going to say to Calgary, this is what we're willing to make to do for Tanev because we're not guaranteed to sign him. We view this as what we were willing to pay for rental. If somebody else offers you exactly what you want, I I don't know. I guess maybe the lease might have to, you know, play their hand and decide if that's really the avenue they want to go and pay that first round pick. And, now, with Hannafin, it's a little bit more of a complicated situation because um, Ellie Freeman did say that the Leafs may have interest in him, but 
there's always been this prevailing thought that Hannafin would like to return to a team in the States and play in the States. And that would help any team that trades from to sign up to an extension. Some view Detroit as maybe that team because they have a lot of assets that they can trade for, for Hannafin. Um, and other teams would obviously like to be in the mix there. But as Ellie Freeman has said, he did say, I think a team like Toronto would love to get Hannafin. I said this last summer. Hannafin's position would go to would be Hannafin's position would be to go to the States if he hit the market this summer. And the US team certainly think that. So if you're the Leafs, again, you're stuck in a tough spot here because if you trade a first round pick for Hannafin, and we know that when you trade a first round pick for a rental and you don't go far, it kind of makes you second guess that decision here. And if Hannafin, look, if the Flames made an offer to Hannafin and Hannafin didn't take it, and we know that Hannafin had really struggled to decide whether he even wanted to remain with the Flames long term, there's still that prevailing thought, I think, about him going to play in the States. I think it's very similar to Johnny Gaudreau, where maybe the Canadian market isn't what's what he really wants. And some guys just like to play a little closer to home or being or playing. Uh, in the States. And we know that Noah Hannafin is a Boston native. So maybe he views going on to the East coast as well. Um, obviously with the Leafs too, when you're thinking about any sort of trade uh, for any of these guys, caps is going to have to be a factor here. I'm assuming that if the flames are taking, have to be taken on a contract uh, potentially, I see a guy like Connor Timmons having to be at least be thrown in there. Um, and then with some salary tension to make a deal work or maybe find a third team to kind of be the salary broker in a deal like this. When I'm, I'm become a little more on team trade, the first round pick, I know I've been kind of on the fence a, lo- a little bit, but you know, hearing a lot about what some of the insiders have said about this draft, it's not the best draft in terms of lower in the first round. And if the Leafs are again in that 20 ish spot, with their first round pick, does it make sense for them to take the player? Look, anything can happen in the draft. You can find a guy in the 20s that could potentially be a player down the road. We are seeing this with Easton Cowan. You know, Matthew Nyes was a sec wasn't wasn't even a first round pick. Uh Fraser Minton wasn't a first round pick. But again, you have to have a lot of faith that you're gonna be able to find that guy. And this team doesn't need that first round pick right now. They need to go and find a player that's going to help them win this year. So I am on team trade first round pick, but you got to be very careful on who you're trading it for. I'd like to see them get a little bit more out of that first round pick than just going on and saying to Calgary, here's the first round pick. I'd like to see if you can use that and broker that into a little bit of a bigger deal here. But again, it's tough to say because the market, another team could just go and blow the water's out of Calgary for either Hannifin or Tanev, and the Leafs might not even get either of them. So you're going to have to be very, I think you have to be excited, a little bit of patience in this time here when it comes to the trades and not go and, uh, and make the panic move either. and feel like you have to go and overpay as well. So I think you're going to have to be very careful here. Yes. Simon Benoit has played very well this year. Jake McCabe has been pretty steady TJ Brody's played better and Timothy Logren hasn't, you know, he's kind of stepped up his game a little bit here, but these are games teams that they should be playing better against. I'm curious to see how much the stretch when you have 
Vegas and Colorado over the next three games after Arizona, how much that really talks about whether this team is ready to invest. Okay. And I think that we'll get a better sense of that. Use the time. If there's no, you know, real urgency to get a deal done right now. I know that a lot of people like to see the Leafs make an upgrade and get themselves to make a real push here, but make sure that you're, you're doing it for the right reason. You're not making any hasty decisions. Use some of the time. If you do have it right now, and I think the Leafs have some of that time. I think the, the flames are playing a little bit of chicken here with some teams to see which team is going to balk and pay the price that they want for their players. So, We'll have to be a little bit patient here, but we'll see uh, where that goes, and we'll see if the Leafs end up doing paying that price for any of their any of those defensemen. But uh, we'll discuss that when that eventually does happen. And on the next episode, we'll be talking about a game. We'll be talking about how the Leafs and Coyotes game went in the College Arena of Mullet Arena in front of the five thousand fans. Most of them likely to be Leafs fans in attendance, from what I've heard. Uh, so we'll see how that goes, and we'll also tee up the back-to-back against the Vegas Golden Knights. But until then, make sure you go and subscribe to the Locked On These podcast wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you go and subscribe on YouTube, Locked On These. Make sure you tell all of your friends to also subscribe. Make sure you get the notification symbol. Hit that so you get the videos notified to you as soon as they are published. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leaves.